0: Therefore, we have a responsibility to steward our walk with God and to maintain His flame that He has ignited in our hearts. I am your host, Keith Collins, and I invite you to join me now as we explore biblical truths that help us to maintain the flame of God upon the altar of our hearts. Hello and welcome to Maintain the Flame again this week. As every week, I'm blessed to know that you are listening today. And I pray that what you're about to hear is going to encourage you, it's going to challenge you, and it's going to cause you to have a deeper hunger and thirst to know the Lord, even in a greater way. I'm so blessed to to be able to say that we've been encouraged in recent weeks, really in recent months, as we've seen the Lord just touch so many lives. I was recently in the state of Pennsylvania in the Pittsburgh area and preached there for three days. That was last weekend, or the weekend before last, excuse me. And just such a hunger for the Lord, such an outpouring of the Spirit of God, just the tangible glory of the Lord, so real in the church there. And and, and really, we're seeing that everywhere that we go. And just want to ask you to please keep us in prayer. Um, Next weekend, I'll be in the state of West Virginia preaching. Then the following week, I actually head to the Philippines. I'll be there for about eight days, and we'll be speaking in multiple type settings and churches and maybe a a Bible school and and meeting with leaders and, and missionaries. But just pray for the Lord just to Give us grace on our travel. It's a long way over there and a long way home. And then we'll be very busy while we're there. But we are encouraged that we're going. Um, The end of next month, I'll be heading back up to Newfoundland, Canada, St. John's. And it's been... A while since I've been able to be there due to COVID restrictions, but things have lightened up some. So, i got some things coming up. Uh, early summer, I'll be heading over to Italy and then, of course, staying busy within the United States here. And so, just ask you to keep us in prayer as we are just fulfilling the purposes of God upon our lives and ministry. And listen, visit us. If you want to know where we're at as far as preaching and speaking, you can go to our website, um, my personal website. Right now, it's keith-collins.org. In a week or so, we're also going to be um, adding keithcollins.net, and that's going to be our main website address. And then we, you can also visit us um, at our Apostolic Network website, Impact Global Fellowship. You can go to impactgf.org. And on both of those sites, you can see where we're at, where we're preaching, what country we're in. You can also stand with us financially. You know, it takes takes a lot of money to do what we do. A lot of our work is, is in third world countries, and, you know, we even try to take money to the leaders and to the churches while we're there, and also, of course, flying there, flying back, accommodations, it gets very expensive, but, but anyhow, the Lord's always faithful, and you can stand with us. You can go to either one of those websites, keith-collins.org or impactgf.org. And there's a donate button on either of those sites. So thank you for thinking about us, praying about becoming one of our impact partners. And you guys are all so important to us. Well, praise God. This this week, I, I want to talk to you about some things that are stirring on my heart. And, you know, several, several months ago, probably about a year ago, I, I preached a message. I think the first time I preached this was down near Tallahassee, Florida. And um, I, I begin to talk about the fact that we have great need of perseverance and endurance in this hour of history. And, you know, as we continue to see headlines here in America, um, of whether it be school shootings, I mean, people going into places of business. I saw yesterday in Louisville, Kentucky, a bank was shot up and I think a few people died. We had six people die in a school recently in, in the Nashville, Tennessee area. And, you know, I'm not here to talk about um, gun control or the lack thereof or the Second Amendment. That's not my point today. I am here to talk about the the sickness of our culture. And the fact is that we are in a a situation right now in America and really many parts of the world, especially the Western world, where there has been just a complete... um, Degradation. I mean, just a complete breakdown of, of culture and society. And there's an attack on the nuclear family. There's an attack on um, what it means to be a man, what it means to be a woman. There's a, there's an attack on marriage. We've had an attack on babies in the womb for many years now in America through abortion. Um, you know, things that used to, used to be common sense as far as sickness and and even mental illness now those things are celebrated and you know we've come into a time where if you're a transgender individual or if you're a homosexual or a bisexual or if you embrace polyamory whatever you know you are considered a hero in a lot of culture now that's not everybody and and i do understand that you know if you look at the percentages of these these type of situations and these individuals the percentages are usually small compared to the overall population however it's interesting that so much of this influence has penetrated corporate america it's penetrated education entertainment even politics now we have key leaders in america especially that that are embracing, endorsing, and even promoting perversion as good and as moral and as loving, and so, friend, we are in a um, we are in a moral tailspin in America. Now, I've talked in recent months about revival and about how I was so encouraged with what I saw at the Asbury outpouring, you know, several weeks ago, Asbury University and so many young people being touched by the power of God and repenting. and, And we've been blessed to see the Lord moving, not just at Asbury, but in a lot of the churches we've been in, as well as other campuses, other college campuses around America. So there are signs of encouragement. At the same time, I think we have to understand that, friend, we are in ominous times. We are in a dark, dark hour of history, and that that grieves the heart of God, that that violates the nature of God, the moral law of God, the the basic biblical standards of God are now being held as good and moral, and so that that's where we're at. So how does the church respond? How do we, as the people of God, make a difference in the society that we live in, that we know that we have to preach truth, we have to live truth, all those type of things. But I think that we find ourselves in what I call a Mayday SOS moment. In other words, um, you know we can't just do good church, we can't just have production oriented ministry. There has to be um, a display of godliness coupled with the power of the Holy Spirit evident among the people of God. And, and as a result, I think it's incumbent upon us to be firm in what we believe, to, to stand for truth, to stand for righteousness, to stand for holiness. And And I want to open up with some, some scripture um, familiar to many of you, I'm sure. But the book of Hebrews, the writer in chapter 10 says this, verse 35 through 39. He says, therefore, do not cast away your confidence Which has great reward for you have need of endurance so that after you have done the will of God you may receive the promise for yet a little while and he who is coming will come and will not tarry speaking of the Lord Jesus of course. And then he said now the just shall live by faith but if anyone draws back my soul has no pleasure in him. I want you to listen to the last sentence here but we are not of those who draw back to perdition. But of those who believe to the saving of the soul. Now that, that first verse says, we have need or for you have need of endurance or perseverance. And, you know, you can take the context of this verse and, and really exegete it or or hermeneutically, you know, really bring out what the writer was writing to at that exact time. But the fact of the matter is this verse speaks into our generation. It speaks into our hour of history. It tells us that we are not a people that are prone to withdrawal, to backsliding, to compromise, to any of these types of things, but we are a people that the Lord has called to persevere and to endure even in the most challenging seasons of history. Our hope is knowing that Jesus will return. We believe that. At the same time, we know that our our mandate, that our purpose on the earth is to be lights, is to be cities set on a hillside. We are to represent the kingdom of God in the midst of darkness. We are in the world, but we are not of the world. The Bible is clear in that. Now, there's some other scripture that I want to read, and I, I can actually read a lot um, for time's sake. I'm going to read one more passage here from Jude, the book of Jude. Um, verses 1 through 3. Of course, Jude's only one chapter, but listen to what it says. It says, Jude, a bondservant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to those who are called, sanctified by God the Father, and preserved in Jesus Christ, mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. Beloved, While I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you, listen to this, to contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. For certain men have crept in unnoticed who long ago were marked out for this condemnation, ungodly men who turn the grace of our God into lewdness and deny the only God in our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Jude is written really to combat what theologians or scholars would would know or call antinomianism, Um, really a spirit of lawlessness that tries to pervert the true message and meaning of grace. But in the midst of this, The author here, the writer, is saying, Judas, saying, listen, you must fight for or contend for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. Why? Because men have crept in. They have crept in and brought heresy. Some have even become apostates and brought apostasy. And there has to be a willingness to embrace the challenge to stand even when it's not popular and comfortable to stand now again we looked at hebrews talks about enduring we looked at jude now it talks about contending my point in reading both of these passages is that there is clear scriptural mandate upon the church to fight for truth to to stand and to persevere and to endure even when many around us are compromising, backsliding, even leaving the faith, to be honest with you, I have been somewhat flabbergasted over the last probably five to ten years or so as some key leaders, evangelical leaders, even charismatic Pentecostal leaders have walked away from the foundations of the faith and embraced universalism. They've embraced um, ungodly lifestyles, whether it be homosexuality or, or, or other things. And, and there, there is this heretical movement as well as an apostate movement that has been flourishing in the church. However, in the midst of that, I know that as a minister of the gospel and more than that, as a follower of Jesus Christ, the mandate upon me is to endure and is to persevere. It's not about how many people like me or dislike me? It's about the Word of God and being pure before the Lord. So so let, let me share some thoughts here with you. And I do have some points that I'll try to get to some of those today. And we'll probably come back and finish this this up next week. But, you know, in recent months, I've, I've really, really recent, the last couple of years, I have really witnessed two dynamics in my travels as well as in my exchange with others, even leaders. First of all, I've, I've, I've witnessed an increasing escalation of darkness even among some Christian camps. In other words, people that, again, used to embrace righteousness and holiness slowly begin to embrace compromise and, you know, begin to embrace, um, you know, just gray areas. And sadly, what happens oftentimes in those settings is, before you know it, there's nothing to believe in, and there's this false gospel, there's this false Christ there's an ungodly spirit that takes over even ministries and churches to where things that used to be foundational and important now become just another part of what they're doing and and oftentimes they even, despise some of those old teachings and call them legalism and so forth and so on. Now, I understand that there is a legalism that can creep in among people and oftentimes, you know, they can become so religious without relationship that it's all about what people see and what people don't see and and I understand that whole mindset. At the same time, I think a lot of times what we call legalism Um, is really just biblical holiness. In other words, come out from among them and be separate. In other words, don't allow there to be mixture in your life to where, you know, you're able to go to church maybe on Sunday morning and lift your hands and worship Jesus. But the night before, you know, you're, you're very comfortable going down to the bar or to the, the club and, and partying and, and getting drunk and, and flirting with the opposite sex or with the same sex in this generation. And as long as you're in church, then it's almost like, It's okay. Well, friend, let me just tell you that is a twisted, perverted form of salvation. When Jesus sets you free, he sets you free. It doesn't mean you become the Apostle Paul overnight, but it means that something is transformed in your life and you begin to live unto the Lord. As Paul said, you live a life worthy of the call of God. And so antinomianism, again, is why. Jude was written, even second peter um antinomianism creeps in into many churches and and i've seen it over the generations and or, i'm sorry over the decades and i've been in ministry almost thirty eight years i've I've watched certain churches that used to burn with the heart for evangelism and and intercession and prayer and missions and and you know things that really make us the church and and intimacy with jesus and and they slowly but surely begin to embrace ungodly compromise and patterns that before you know it, there's no life, there's no passion, there's no holiness, and before you know it, they become just a big social club, and there's no power. Paul talked about a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. So I have I have witnessed, unfortunately, some groups, some churches, some ministries that have just embraced darkness and embraced compromise, and they've lost their passion, but let me encourage you with this. At the same time, number two, the second thing I've seen, I have, I've witnessed an increase of hunger for the Lord and even revival in the church. And I saw this at Asbury several weeks ago. But I've, I, I'm honestly, most of the places that I'm invited to come in and preach, usually the people are hungry for a move of God. So even before I get there, there's been an embracing of hunger and thirst for the things of God. So I'm encouraged on one level on the same at the same time on another level I'm challenged because I realize the seriousness of the hour that we live in and listen we we find ourselves amid a cultural season even within much of the church that can be categorized as hostile towards anything that has its foundation in the word of god in other words if you just stand and preach basic biblical truth I'm not even something as simple as listen you should not have sex out of marriage premarital sex is not right god wants there to be a covenant of marriage where you've You've become judgmental and you've become critical. Or if you just say that marriage is between one man and one woman. Well, who are you to say who I can love? Maybe I love another man and I'm a man or I love another woman and I'm a woman. Maybe I love two women and one man. Again, polyamory, which some people are starting to embrace. And I know that's radical, but friend, that's, that's the culture that we're in. And, or, 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 or if you say that, listen, if you are born a man or born a woman, then the Lord Created you that way, and you should embrace your gender, and you should live as a man or live as a woman. I mean, in some settings, that's hateful, and that's that's um, uh, that's bigoted, and so that's that's the culture that we live in. If you say anything, then you know you're being pressured to 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 embrace. The spirit of the age and and the cultural demise that that is so prevalent in our society that is really destroying our nation, and so much of the church has been caught up in this, I mean even major denominations that have their roots in revival history and roots in prayer and things of this nature, some of them have now embraced perversion and called it love and called it tolerance and and called it the new thing that God is doing. Well, let me tell you something, friend. God's not going to change his nature just because Preachers or denominations or churches change their standards god is always god he is righteous he is pure and there are some things that are foundational that cannot be moved they cannot be tilted they cannot be compromised and and again we we find ourselves in a generation where there is this this undue pressure to compromise so so the church has to ask herself a question am i willing to stand am I willing to face the wrath of the naysayers am I willing to to lose my title my my paycheck my platform my parking place am I willing to lose my IRS tax status so that the Lord will be glorified in my life and I believe that friend we are at a place right now unless there's some kind of radical third grade awakening in America where the, where the cult where the country bows its knees to Jesus and leaders bow their knees to Jesus. We are, we are on the threshold of persecution like we have never seen before. I'm not trying to scare you, but I'm just trying to let you know, friend, this is a season to endure and who, who's going to be willing to stand? Who's going to be willing to persevere when it's not comfortable? Whenever you might lose your income or lose your job or or you might even be reported because of the way that you are teaching your children as far as from a biblical standpoint. I mean, that's that's the hour that we live in. And I believe that we need to realize as the church, we must be willing to stand. Listen, we find ourselves, again, in a hostile world. What are people hostile to? They're hostile to truth. Why? Because truth Truth deals with the heart issues of lost humanity or backslidden humanity. In other words, listen, I can talk to you about Allah. I can talk to you about Buddha. I can talk to you about Shintoism, Taoism, Buddhism, whatever, friend. Any of these, you know, false religions. And, you know, people will accept them or reject them. When I talk to you about Jesus and what it means to be a disciple of Jesus, what it means to pick up a cross and to follow Him, that to live, you have to die, that to go up, you gotta go down, that, that the kingdom of God deals with heart issues and it deals with even the members of our body that we are to crucify with Christ, that, friend, when I begin to talk about those things, it causes humanity to be stirred and it brings them to a decision. And that's why it's so challenging to them because Jesus calls for radical obedience. He calls for heart devotion. He calls for intimacy beyond just going to church and giving an offering and and making an appearance so people think you're a Christian. No, friend, this is the gospel that that we are to lay our lives down. When Jesus says, come and follow me, we follow him wholeheartedly. There's no alternative form of discipleship. There's no discipleship B. There's, there, there's one way to follow Jesus, and that's with everything that we have. And you see, um, in this cultural shift that we're seeing in America as well as in the church, you know, it, it's obvious that, that there, there's been this shift, e- even over the last several decades, that, that now brings us to a time of great conflict regarding the role of religion in culture, and more specifically, Christianity. This is, again, because Jesus brings humanity to a decision regarding their fate, whether they like it or not, my friend. You see, many in our nation, especially those under the age of 35, have embraced a postmodern view um, that is void of absolutes or any grounded biblical truths. You know, the Bible is a meta-narrative. It has within it all... Truth regarding life, whether marriage, education, everything, friend. Whatever that's rejected, then society begins to degenerate, and now we find ourselves in this postmodern world, and the church has been caught up in it. And there's been such a weakness with regard to persevering with doctrine, even and with purity and righteousness. So it is. It is a challenging, challenging situation. Listen, there's as a result of of, of what's taking place. Um, there's a natural implosion of society is being played out before our eyes. As the family is under siege, the creative order of male and female is under siege, Um, God's pattern for marriage, I said that already, is under attack, even basic honor and respect are becoming obsolete, even... Children towards parents and grandparents. I mean, there is such a breakdown and such a rebellion that is so prevalent in culture because of this postmodern ungodly view and ungodliness and perversion are being hailed as good and moral. And I, I could go on and on, but but that that's the that's the situation that we find ourselves in, friend. The reason I'm telling you that we must persevere, we must endure, because I don't believe it's going to get easier. Um. I believe we're going to see the Lord move. I'm believing for great revival. I think we're starting to see some signs of that in the church. Thank God for that. Listen, I'm praying for an awakening in our nation. At the same time, I also realize and recognize that the enemy is just not going to sit on the sideline and watch us have a great move of God or see us have a great move of God. Listen. The deeper we press in, the, the the more enduring that we are, the more perseverant that we become. The more the enemy is going to fight like crazy to stop the move of God. But my friend, we must be willing to persevere. We must be willing to take a stand. We we must be willing to endure, even when the enemy comes in like a flood. You see, you know the result of this um, this weakness in the church has been the toleration of of perversion. Because when the church doesn't have a moral compass, then the world kind of goes the way of the church. So a lot of the blame, I know this is hard for certain people, but a lot of the blame really lies at the feet of the church. I mean, we allowed certain things to come into culture, and we weren't persevering. We weren't enduring. We were just kind of Going by the our way or, or going our way and just doing church and so forth and so on, and the nation began to implode around us. But there's there's a statement that John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist Church, said years ago. He said, "What one generation tolerates, the next one will embrace." And I I've often said that, and the next one will promote, and the next one will celebrate. So things that would have grieved our hearts, even. 20 years ago, 10 years ago, now they're celebrated, they're promoted as good and moral. So why am I telling you all this? And and many of you know what I'm talking about, but I want you to to hear me clearly today, friend. This is warfare. This This is a battle for the soul of a nation, the soul of the nations, for the heart of the church, and a people somewhere have got to be willing to stand for truth and for righteousness. A people have got to be willing to, to say, Jesus, my life for the gospel. Lord, let nothing hinder the call of God upon my life. Hey, listen, I'm going to pick this up again next week and um, continue to share on this theme because I think it's important. We have need of perseverance, friends. Somebody's got to guard the gates of the city, so to speak. Amen. Let me pray. Father, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for truth that cuts through all the clutter, all the fog, all the foolishness. And Lord, I pray today that those that are hearing this will be challenged and encouraged at the same time, Lord. Father, give us boldness. We know that's the real purpose for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that that boldness would come upon us to stand for truth and for righteousness. Lord, I pray these things in the matchless name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Amen. Amen. Hey, thank you so much again for joining us on Maintain the Flame this week. Again, make sure you visit us, keith-collins.org, impactgf.org. You can also see our ministry schedule on those websites. We love you. Tell somebody about this podcast, and I I hope that you're being blessed today, and I hope that you'll be back with us again next week on Maintain the Flame. God bless you in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for listening to Maintain the Flame with Keith Collins today. I trust that you've been blessed and encouraged as you've listened. And if you hunger for a greater passion for the Lord that will not dim or subside, then let me encourage you to listen weekly to episodes that will encourage you in your walk with God. To learn more about our ministry, you can visit us at keith-collins.org or impactgf. Org. May the fire of God burn brighter and hotter in your life. God bless you.